The Royals just showed the Reds the next step. If Cincinnati is serious about contending for a long time, they are going to copy exactly what Kansas City just did. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily source for all things Cincinnati Reds. I'm Stephen Offenbaker. He's Jeff Carr, and we love baseball. We love these Cincinnati Reds, and we have taken that love for the game and that love for the Reds, and we have turned it into information for you. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's podcast, we're going to break down why the Cubs are the biggest threat to the Reds in the National League Central. We're going to talk about why Josh Harrison may be the safest bet in the organization for the final roster bench spot on the 26-man roster. And we'll start off with what the Royals did that the Reds should copy after I tell you about FanDuel. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets back if your first bet of $5 or more wins. That's right. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. And as I mentioned, where we're going to get started, Jeff, is breaking down how the Reds have something to learn from those Kansas City Royals. Yes, uh, I believe that what the Royals did, uh, the Reds absolutely need to copy in some way. This is how the Reds and small market teams have to compete with the likes of the Dodgers and the Steve Cohens and the Mets and all that stuff in the world is the moment a player shows superstar potential, got to sign him, got to sign him long-term because that's exactly what the Kansas City Royals did. They signed Bobby Witt Jr. to an 11-year, $288 million contract. Now, there are three different club options after the 11th year that could stretch it to 14 years and over $370 million. You're talking about a long time and a lot of money for a dude that just started his career. And he is only currently 23 years old. That's a big deal. And, and, and I mean, the deal is a big deal, a total Mm -hmm. of $370 million from the Kansas city Royals. You don't see a lot of those type of deals coming out of the old Royals organization. And I think you're absolutely right. This is a model that the Reds should really be looking at. And I and I like that it came after the second year because am I ready to give Matt McClain 11 years to 14 years? Not maybe yet. not quite yet. Ellie? No, maybe not quite yet. So I, I like that you take whoever performs the best in year two and you consider a deal like this. I think that is a, a smooth way for Nick Crawl to operate. See, let one of these guys play their way into a contract like this. Yeah, and I think that the the key is like the Reds need to have this on the table. They don't necessarily need to go do it right now. Like I did see some folks that were saying like, oh, right now, go, go sign Ellie, go sign Matt McClain, go sign CES, go sign all of them to these kind of deals. There's a key reason actually two key reasons why the Royals did what they did the way that they did because Bobby Witt signed like we mentioned after his second year it was really his first breakout season his rookie year he was pretty decent he hit 250 ish and you know he he slugged over 400 he showed potential 
Last year, he went crazy. And I'm not going to lie, Steve. I, I did not necessarily know how good he was last year. Bobby Witt was amazing last year. Dude had 30 homers, 49 steals, hit over 280. Like, absolutely fantastic stuff. The kind of stuff that we believe that Ellie can do, the kind of stuff that we believe Matt McClain can do, if they show that this year, that's when they pounce. Because I, I really think that the Reds do have, in, in Ellie and Matt McClain especially, they have a couple of players who could be amazing, but they need to show it first. And I think that once they show that glimpse, that's when the Reds have to pounce. Because guys like Ellie, and and, and we talked about this ad nauseum last year, two years ago, whenever he was traded, but there were reports that the Reds had approached Luis Castillo in June of 2021 to see if he wanted to sign a contract extension. That was about two years too late for a team like the Reds because he's priced out of it. That's the whole thing here. In order for the Reds to be priced into this and the Royals knew if they gave Bobby Witt another year to continue to play like a superstar, they were going to be priced out of him. They had to sign him now. Let me ask you this, because you look at the, the time span of this contract, 11 years up to 14. That's a, that's a gamble. That's there's some risk there. And, and in that length of contract, are you willing to consider any of the other starting pitchers for a contract this long or only a position player? I would definitely need to see another year of starting. And I, I think, I think the only two I'd consider for that right now would be Graham Ashcraft and Andrew Abbott. And there are still some that don't necessarily believe that Graham Ashcraft will continue this longevity and he may actually revert to the bullpen later on in his career. So even that could still be a very big gamble. I think that this is the kind of deal that you see the 11 year, the really long term deals you see with a position player because it feels like, and, and granted, you know, injuries are injuries. There, there's not like lesser injuries for position players just because they don't pitch, but it feels like the injuries that they incur, even the season ending ones like ACL injuries, their career is not altered near as much as a Tommy John surgery is. And yes, I know that Tommy John surgery has really progressed, but there's still an element of a pitcher's game that has to change quite a bit after that surgery. And you just don't have that with position players. So you have a little bit less risk injury wise. When you look at, at pitchers versus position players, Jeff, what Homer Bailey's deal was what? 10 years. Yes. Somewhere in that neighborhood. You know, I think, I think that's probably the top end for that. I'd be willing to go on a pitcher, you know, looking at these position players, Jeff, Hey, Bobby Witt, what's this breakdown to? $26 million a year if it's an 11-year yeah, contract? Yeah, it's, it's like slightly over 26, and then I think the options are a little bit well, backloaded, so if they do well, pick those up. Think about that. Can, yeah. Think yeah. about that. The, the Royals just gave Bobby Witt Jr. Joey Votto money in year two. Everybody's had heartburn about this Joey Votto contract since the day that he signed it, and that's now the buy out your rookie's arbitration years contract that's what it's going to take to get it done uh i i think the reds i think the reds might be willing to do this you know i think it will take some creativity on nick crawl's part to bring the castellini family along on this uh but 
But I think your example here of the Royals, I think that's something that Kral can present to the ownership group now, and it will give him an easier time in getting a deal like this done, being able to show this is what's happening in baseball. This is what it's going to take to lock up some of these young guys. And that's kind of what makes me wonder this. Is it 11 plus years for the Reds or is it something similar, but maybe not as long? I did look it up while you were talking there for a minute. Homer Bailey's deal was a six-year contract, not a 10-year contract. But is that something like, okay, we, we've talked about this, especially with the free agent deals and things like that, that Nick Crawl has been holding back on the long-term deals. That's a totally different ballgame when you're talking about young stars on this team and what the Reds could do with them. However, do you think that they'd still be adverse, especially so soon after getting, uh, you know, the, the end of Joey Votto's deal? Would they be adverse to a double-digit year contract? Would it be probably more like an eight-year deal? Well, I mean, what did they do with home with Hunter Green? Hunter Green, they bought out his arbitration years, added a Plus year one. or two on the backside with an option, right? Yeah. So I, I think I think that's probably the extent they would be willing to go. Uh, I'd be shocked at a 10-year deal. I would be absolutely just stunned at anything beyond 10 years. But, you know, that might be right for this market. If they kept it limited to between 8 and 10 years, they could maybe give that kind of a deal to more than one of the players. Right. If they went to a 14-year deal like this with these with these options, I don't know that you could get multiple position players signed to a deal like that. But I would love for them to find a way to, to sign the best two position players and then find a way to lock up one more pitcher. I think that's always what we talked about, right? When we when we yes. when we speculated where this ends up, is you can keep two of the pitchers, two of the position players, and then you have to trade everybody else as they run out of team control. And that fits with what we've been talking about. That fits with what Nick Craw has been saying. And, and it fits with how he has explained his plan to us. So I, I, I think you're right, Jeff. I think this is uh, something that the Reds can do to continue to cement what Nick Craw has done and said he was going to do to bring this team forward and keep them competitive. And I think, too, the shorter long-term it's still a long-term contract but it's a shorter than 14 years uh contract that the reds would hopefully be able to sign with a guy like ellie or a guy like matt mcclain should they break out this season you've got to be able to sell their agent on it and who's their agent scott Ooh, boris your friend chances are the shorter long-term contract scott boris yeah right. no i don't we've always been over that uh but the shorter long-term contracts probably more palatable to a guy like him because look he's good at what he does and he extracts the most value for his players and i think he understands that this deal while it's very good for bobby witt that he gets all of this security very early on in his career it's also very good for the royals because a guy like him if he continues to go 30 50 30 home runs, 49 steals is what he had last year. He continues to do that. You're talking about a dude that's well above $30 million a year, and they've already signed him for 26 and a half for the foreseeable future. So they're, they're going to get that value out of that. It's just, it's going to be, I think that this, this just shows that the Reds want to ensure that they will have superstars on the team. They must sign them at the right time. And the right time will be if those guys break out this season. You know, Steve, the Reds added Josh Harrison yesterday, which actually creates an Cincinnati guy. Subject. He's from Cincinnati, Cincinnati you know. Guy, Princeton High School grad. Yes, sir. Uh, it adds an interesting conundrum on the bench. I'll tell you why. 
coming up next. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors today, and that is eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits. I know that Steve loves the superchargers. Uh, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every single day. Every day is coming up on the show tomorrow. You know, the Brewers began the teardown and made themselves vulnerable in the NL Central race. Just how vulnerable? Hmm. We'll take a deeper look at the broke crew tomorrow. We're going to be looking at the Cubs a little bit later on in today's show. And before we talk about Josh Harrison, wanted to remind you that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel all right steve josh harrison was signed yesterday and i think he looks like the safer option for the last spot on the bench which brings up the question jose barrero or josh harrison you know it's funny looking at their 2023s they weren't that far off of each other in what they put up uh Josh Harrison played in 40 games in the bigs. Jose Barrero played in 46. Jose Barrero slash line 218, 295, 323. And you look over at Harrison, 204, 263, 291. So Barrero edged him out just a little bit. Uh, I don't know how much Josh Harrison has left in the tank. Uh, looking through his career, obviously he's been very great at times. A few years back, he was a guy we wanted the Reds to sign and, and yep. give significant playing time to. We talked about that, you and I. So... I like this signing. It's a good depth signing. I think it's a good insurance policy signing in case somebody gets hurt. Um, I don't know how much he's going to push Barrero because Barrero, if he can finally find a way to be useful and consistent, you can still have him around for multiple years. If you let him go and go with Josh Harrison, maybe you get one to two years out of him. Now, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I would do with this, but I do know that Josh Harrison is a guy that brings a lot of experience. He brings a, brings a lot of wisdom as far as how to play the game, how to how to be a professional hitter, how to play multiple positions and and not be settled into one spot. You know, those are all things he can teach some of these rookies now going on their sophomore seasons uh, that are going to be asked to move around and going to be asked to to not be able to to slide into one spot and be comfortable. So. I think he has a lot to the, the Reds have a lot to to gain from having him around. I don't I think he's going to have a hard time fighting his way onto this roster. But 
you know, I don't know that he's the guy that we saw in Philadelphia. I don't know that he's that, that, you know, 53 OPS plus guy that he was in Philadelphia. I, I think he's much more likely to be, you know, 90 to a hundred league average kind of dude. And if he can be that guy, that's useful at the end of the bench. And then maybe we revisit this question, but as it stands right now, I think you'd have to give the edge to Jose Barrero. I find it interesting because I agree with you. I don't think he's that guy that he was last year. There's just, there's something going on. Not sure what it was. I think it was just an off year. He, for the most part, for his career is a 95 OPS plus guy. And for 20, the 2020 and the 2021 season, he had an OPS plus over a hundred. Now he's never been a big power guy. He's been more of a contact, get on base and cause havoc on the base pass, that kind of player that kind of fits with this team. And to be honest with you, if you're going to be the last guy on the bench, that's all you really need to be anyway. And, and he can play in the outfield. I saw some folks that are just saying, why'd the Reds go get a guy who can only play infield? He'd play in the outfield too. Uh, so he could conceivably be a right-handed option in right field there. That's kind of squinting a little bit hard here. But I'm looking at this and I'm saying, I think his floor, we talked about this a lot, you know, when we're looking at different players, his floor is higher than Jose Barrero's. Now, Jose Barrero's got a much higher upside. I still believe that the ceiling is the roof with him. Like he has absolutely got a lot of talent that he can tap into. We've seen it, whether it be a triple A, whether it be in the winter leagues, things like that. He has shown it. He just hasn't shown it at the major league level. If he starts to show that, then I think that obviously the pick is Jose Barrero. But I think that Josh Harrison's higher floor makes me a little bit more intrigued with this because let's break it down this way real quick. He's a non-roster invite signing. Uh, if he makes the team out of spring training, he will make $1.5 million. Now he can opt out on March 21st. So if it's kind of seeing that things aren't going to be working for him to be a major leaguer. He can opt out and he can opt out again when final rosters are made. Since he's a veteran, he can refuse assignment to triple A and become a free agent in his 13 years. He's got 16.8 wins above replacement. Not, you know, not bad, pretty solid career. Two-time all-star though, you know, last time was in 2017. And you mentioned he struggled last season as well. I, I just think that, this guy has a little bit more to offer right now without having to think like, Ooh, is he going to figure it out? And I actually got the chance. Now this was not in response to being able to, to him becoming a red, but actually his brother Vince Harrison was signed as the Dayton dragons manager. And Josh was there at the introductory press conference for Vince Harrison. And I got the chance to talk to Josh about playing against the Reds last year with the Phillies and kind of what he saw with the Reds team all last season. I wanted to ask you real quick, because I know that you've been around the National League and you've gotten a chance to play the Reds a lot of different years, and you got the chance to face them with the Phillies earlier this year, kind of before everybody got started to call up. Like, what did you see different in April as you kind of saw the Reds move along the rest of the year? Uh, one, got a little warmer. Yeah. Uh, for <laughs> sure. Helps, when, when we played them, I think it was like the first two to three weeks. Like, I, I remember it was our home, home opener, then I think we came back here for like the second home stand at the it Reds. Was back to back. No, no, it was cold. It was, yeah, it, was it, was the was, first, it was the first two to three weeks. Right so I knew it was cold. Um, 
But but you can definitely tell it was. Even even being here it was cold. Um, but I'm from Cincinnati. I, I know what the Reds mean to the city. I know all those things. But uh, even even coming home towards the end of the year last year, just seeing what it was. I mean, my brother. I, I was talking to him in spring training while I'm with the Phillies. He's you know giving me updates. Like yeah, man, they got some young guys that are exciting, man. Like these guys can play. They have fun. They're a joy to be around. Um, and, and obviously, when I was able to see or play against them, you know, I could tell. I mean, there are a couple guys even just playing them when we had our home opener in Philly that came up to me like, hey, man, your brother Vince, man, that's my guy. You know, just from spring training. And I'm like, hey, it's good to know that, you know, big bro likes it over there. They like him as well. And uh, I just say, man, you, you, you can't be being close to home. S tier beard as well. I think the beard really helps him in the uh, opening day uh, roster projection. But no, it, I'm with you. It's going to be hard to say no to Jose Barrero because, again, you have to wave him. He's probably getting picked up, which means the Reds will probably try to trade him and stuff like that. But I just think that Josh Harrison is the safer option. You know, there is an interesting thought process to play through with this, Jeff. If If you decide that Jose Barrero is just not going to get enough at bats to improve to 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 be better than what he's always been and and that's a real possibility i just i don't see where a lot of his playing time is going to come from maybe it is the smarter choice to go with this this veteran guy that when he's though he's not playing very much he can be kind of an extra coach and an extra mm-hmm. you know mentor to these sophomores now that are on this team that are, are trying to continue to string together, you know, good game after good game after good game. You know, David Bell has said, you know, he doesn't want them to get ahead of themselves. He wants them to, to remain calm and focused and, and, and not, you know, basically for, for paraphrasing and for lack of a better way to put it, you know, not read their own press and not get caught up in it. And I think it would be valuable to have a Harrison type guy around to help guide them through that. So it could be interesting to see how this plays out in spring training. And you're right. If Barrero just falls on his face out in Goodyear, then it makes the decision a lot easier. Plus, it would just grind the gears of our friend Ethan Smith over at Locked On Pirates. He's told me before he doesn't want Josh Harrison going to the Reds. Well, guess what, Ethan? Here he is. Well, you know, Harrison may be the safer bet as the Reds' last man on the bench. This is going to be something very interesting to keep an eye on. And and as a, a fan of Josh Harrison, I've always wanted to see him play for the Reds. So even if it's just for a little while in spring, I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. But listen to this, Jeff. The Cubs are probably the biggest threat that the Reds are going to face in the National League Central this year. Uh, but it is a big unknown. We're going to tell you what the big unknown with the Cubs is, and we're going to tell you how the Reds can respond to it coming up next. Before I get into any of that, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's episode is brought to you in part by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate. It is Super Bowl week. And FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, has you covered. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seats on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. New customers over at FanDuel can join today and get $200 in bonus bets back if your first bet of $5 or more wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on the action. FanDuel also has some baseball stuff for you. If you want to kind of wet your baseball betting whistle just a little bit, they have the Reds win total over under currently set at 82.5. 
hasn't moved much yet. It's going to move, folks. Trust me on this. If you want to get in on this, get in on it now. Uh, I would take the over. That's just me. As Jeff tells you, always take the over. Uh, but it could come, uh, it can move quickly. So get in there now. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on and start turning your sports knowledge into cash. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League and the official sports book of Locked On. You can follow us in between episodes on all the social media platforms. Uh, make sure that you check us out over on X. You can follow me at S Offenbaker with two F's. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three F's. And you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. Also, make sure you bookmark the site insidethereds.com. We're over there writing about the Reds, joined by a bunch of our friends. James Rapine's over there. Rick Uccino's over there. Uh, Audie Elmore's over there. They just added Caleb. Caleb Sisk. Sisk. He is. He's writing over there now. Lots of great written form Reds coverage for you to check out in between episodes and join us on our discord community server. Folks, the link is down in the description of today's episode. Lots of great baseball talk over there between episodes. We love talking baseball with you and we would love for you to join us to talk some baseball over there. All right, Jeff, you know, we teased this a little bit in our last episode. We talked about the division and the St. Louis Cardinals. And now we're going to move on to the Windy City and talk about the Chicago Cubby Bears. And for me, I see the Cubs as a bigger threat to the Reds in the National League Central. I, I, I see them as much more of a possibility to give the Reds a run for their money and cause problems than I do the St. Louis Cardinals and their cream corn buffet that they're serving their players <laughs> down there in the clubhouse. So uh, let's break this down a little bit because the Cubs, they're not an easy team to figure out right now. No, they're definitely the biggest enigma in the division because they could be neck and neck with the Reds all year long. They could fade into the back uh, before the trade deadline, really, because of the gamble that Jed Hoyer is making. And, of course, this still has time to change. They could still go out and spend the money that we thought they were going to spend. But we have been saying all offseason, we're just like, get ready. Cubs going to go on a shopping spree. They have yet to do that. I mean, they they lost Marcus Stroman to the Yankees. They signed Shota Imanaga, but he literally just slots back into Marcus Stroman's pitching spot. And to be honest with you, I think the ceiling for Imanaga is that they hope he's as good as Marcus Stroman was. So th th you didn't get better on the pitching staff. You lost Cody Bellinger. You hope, if you're a Cubs fan, that Pete Crow Armstrong can be that guy. He's their top prospect. But really, the Cubs are trying to be the 2023 Reds because they're going with the youth movement. They've got a lot of top prospects. They've got a lot of talent in their farm system, and they're trying to bet on that this year. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out because it could be a gamble that kind of bites them in a butt a little. It's funny, though, because you mentioned, you know, the Cardinals and their cream corn buffet and the tapioca pudding and all that other stuff. This is the opposite. Like, the Cubs are going with the youth movement to see if that'll work. This is interesting because, listen, make no mistake, the Cubs have money to spend. They could have gone out and, and bought a lot of guys this year or at least tried to compete with the Dodgers to do it. I think the way they're approaching is actually kind of smart because they are, in fact, doing it similar to what Nick Crawl did with the Reds heading into 2023. They appear to be willing to sit back with the with the exception of the Imanaga signing, which I thought is also smart because they're really prepping for 2025, I think. And getting him locked down helps them to build around in 2025. What they're doing this year is, are they hoping to catch lightning in a bottle and that all the youth hits and they take off and can compete? Sure. But I think really what they're doing is hoping to see what they got. 
and figure out what holes they really have. I look for a big spending spree from the Cubs in the next offseason, heading mm. into 2025. Much like we were saying that that 2024 was going to be the start of the window and 2025 the Reds were going to be super serious. I think that's where the Cubs are right now. I think they're going to tease a little bit. They're going to see what they have. They're going to head into the next offseason, fill a bunch of needs, and there's going to be some knockdown dragouts between the Cubs and the Reds in this division for the next four or five years after that. Uh, it's going to be an entertaining brand of baseball, I think, in the National League Central. I definitely agree with that. And you, There's some interesting players on this team. I mean, between their uh, really good, um, and, and I just lost, uh, Nico Horner, uh, between Nico Horner there at second base, and the, you got Patrick Wisdom, who is very streaky, but Duke can hit the cover off the ball. And you've got plenty of talent uh, coming up through the farm system. I remember Kevin, I think it's Alcantara, is coming up, uh, kind of like uh, Sergio Alcantara for the Reds years ago, obscure former Red. Uh, but you also have these the, this pitching staff, and they added to the bullpen. And you and I were talking about this off air. It feels like everyone in the NL Central followed suit whenever the Reds decided to shore up their bullpen. They're like, well, we'll fix ours too. And they signed Hector Neres, and they've gotten a couple of different dudes that they brought into their bullpen. But overall, I just I really think that – the Cubs, more than anyone, like the Brewers got worse. The Pirates are the Pirates. The Cardinals got better, but they were horrible. So that's not like saying that they got better to be back at the Reds level. I think that the Cubs, if anything, didn't get any worse. So you're still talking about a winning ball club. You're still talking about a team that's going to finish above 500. It's just kind of where is that, where is that range for them? Like, are they in the Reds range? I don't think so. But if they do catch lightning in a bottle, it, it, it could be a back and forth season between these two ball clubs. Well, and it's interesting that they dumped David Ross to go with Craig Council yeah. at the beginning <laughs> of all this. It, it, it's very interesting. I, I think there must very be reality some, show TV esque. Yeah, like, yeah, there must be yeah. some opinion within the the Cubs front office that that Craig Council is uniquely suited to get the most out of all these young players that are coming up. And they didn't think that David Ross could be that guy. So I, it really feels to me like the, the, the front office in Chicago is keeping an eye on the 2024 season, but they really are looking a little bit farther out. They're just kind of getting the pieces positioned on the board to make moves later. And it, it, it's just, it's really interesting. This is a hard team to figure out. And, you know, I kind of look forward to talking to the, the locked on Cubs guys and, and hearing their perspective on this. When we get closer to the season and we do our, you know, national league central preview, I, I would love to hear their take on where they think the Cubs are going to be because, uh, you know, I think that you're right. They could be good, but I think it's much more likely that, you know, we get into this season and the Reds, they just start looking better and better every day. Yeah. And that's kind of the X factor too. We don't talk about managers enough, but I think if there is one guy in major league baseball that really adds to his team, it's Craig council. I I've always said, that he was the best manager in the division. So whenever I heard rumors that he was going to leave Milwaukee, it was like, great, get out of here. And it's like, no, he stays in division. Great. That's fun. Uh, but he is, he is really good. He's going to be able to get the most out of that roster. I firmly believe it's just, you know, what is it going to look like? Is it going to be that sort of thing where they can catch that lightning in a bottle? 
I, I find it more and more intriguing. And I had only kind of passively compared them to the 2023 Reds. But the more and more that you say that, the more and more like, yes, getting the pieces on the board, not necessarily worrying about, you know, pushing forward right now. They're just getting ready kind of see that too i don't necessarily find that to mean that they're not gonna try i mean obviously everybody on the field is gonna try but i i I think that this is the closest team to the reds in the division and if they have a little bit of a rough month like say they go into august and they have like a you know an 8 and 14 type of month then that's probably going to be the difference in the year for them Mm mm-hmm well, you know, it's where we always talk about it's, you know, the 40 games, 40 games, 40 games, and you figure yep. out what to do with, with the rest. So I, you know, I like the matchups. I like this division. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, Jeff, because the more we talk about the national league central, the more I just feel like the reds are primed, man, they are primed. Yeah. And on that note, that is where we're going to go ahead and wrap this up with the reds being primed. That's going to do it for this edition of locked on reds. Thanks so much for always making us your first listen every day. Every day is coming up on the next locked on reds. Jeff, what are we going to be talking about? We are going to be talking about the brewers because they began their tear down and uh, they they're looking a little vulnerable. They're looking like they're probably not going to be in this race, but is that true? Just how much is that true? We're going to take a deep dive into the new look Milwaukee Brewers. No more Corbin Burns, no more Brandon Woodruff, no more Craig Council. A lot different looking team there. All right. And in the meantime, we're going to keep watching for news. We're going to watch for signings. We're going to watch for rumors. We're going to gather all of that up, bring it right back here to keep you locked on Reds every single day.